friends, family, esteemed podcast listeners, and Donnie. Hmm. We come with great tidings. We have a whole host of content to go over, but I must give you a warning. Today's episode is going to be heavily, heavily, heavily weighted towards the upcoming World Cup. Uh, It's unfortunately a World Cup of slavery and not a World Cup of unity that Gianni Infantino was was proclaiming. But we're going to talk about World Cup draw, U.S. final round of qualifying, some Champions League stuff, a whole bunch of shit to get into. But first... To the byline. It's in, it's in our goal! It's a gift! Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. And goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. For the very first time since we have started Own Goal Podcast, the USA is back in the World Cup, and it feels so fucking good. And I know it's April 1st, but this isn't a fucking April Fool's Day prank, baby. USA's back! Donnie, you know that it's April 1st, but none of our listeners know because I was so excited and amped, I jumped straight past the name of the fucking podcast and the date of recording because we are back, baby. Oh, it feels so good. It, it It's like a part of my soul has come back to me. When we didn't make the World Cup in 2018... I died a little bit inside. There's a, something in me that died. And, and I so, don't think I could ever get back. It's just like... It, it just it feels so right. It feels so good. I am so fucking happy. We're just... We're back in the World Cup. We're back where we belong. And what a fucking... Wild ride it's been these last five years. A lot of downs. A lot of realization at the failures at the highest level of the organized U.S. soccer community. But without that failure, we would not have the exposure to the level of these young, up-and-coming, promising talents that we have in the national picture today. Brennan Aronson, without that failure, would not be in the picture today. And, you know, you... the night is darkest just before the dawn. But the dawn is coming. And in this case, obviously not qualifying for the World Cup, for, for the 2018 World Cup, was devastating. But, you know, I look at this pool of players we have, guys like Brennan Aronson, like you mentioned... And in terms of the talent of the player pool available to us, we've never been at a better place. And that is fucking incredible. Ironically, the there's only two places that we have really been in a better spot than we are now. One is goalkeeper. Yes. And the other is manager. <laughs> yes. And I think I'm not just pivoting there to be like the toxic US fan base bullshit that like, you know, MLS homers complain about. Well, Eric, think, if you don't think that the USA is going to, if you, if you think the USA is not going to win every single world cup for the interest of time, you're toxic. I'm sorry. You're just toxic. So here's the thing. I actually think we got a favorable draw. 
which a lot of you I fans agree. don't think so. A lot of a lot of these fans don't think so. But somehow I'm the toxic one. But I, the reason I pivoted to goalkeeper and manager is because before we really dive meat and bone into the World Cup draw, we do have to cover the last round of World Cup qualifying. Yes, we do. Which, as listeners know, had three games. One at Mexico, the last game at Costa Rica, and then in between that, the uber-important home game against Panama. Yes. The Mexico game. Going into this, we didn't feel good about it. Mexico didn't feel good about it. Neither fan base loved where their team was, performance-wise, qualification-wise. And six months ago, you tell us, hey, you guys can get a 0-0 draw at Azteca. We take that hand over fist, right? Yes, I take the point. Yeah. but Especially given um, Mr. Burhalter's troubles in red games. Oh, for sure. I, but I also- gratefully take the point, like a hungry, hungry hippo. Also, also, even if even if before like qualifying ever started and we didn't have a coach name, if someone's like, "Hey, you'll get a win at home and a draw at Mexico," we would take that without even question. Yes, no doubt. But if I were to show you the play of the the, the run of play for our two great goal scoring opportunities, but cut it right when the uh, attacker kicks the final ball before you see where it goes, it showed you that and said, we end this game with zero goals. What would your reaction be? Well, it would be the reaction that I had to the game against Mexico. It would be visceral. It would be upset. I feel like we left points on the table. Wouldn't be happy about it. And I mean, getting right into it, we should have won that game dose zero. Yes. Bare minimum, we should have scored at least one goal. Christian Pulisic had a point-blank chance that all he had to do was just not hit it right at the goalie. And and that wasn't even the worst finish of the game. Then, Gio Reyna basically puts a chance on a doorstep for Pifak, who's supposed to be our goal-scoring striker. He's our most most in-form performer, although the Swiss League is like the, what, 12th most difficult league or something in the world. And he just, I felt like it was closer to the corner flag than the goal. I, you don't have to feel it, Donnie. Empirically, it was closer to a <laughs> corner than it was a goal. And he, had, he, had an, he had, in hockey, what they would call a yawning cage. That, 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 that net was open and somehow larger than it normally would be. And I mean, honestly, Mexico didn't do anything in that game until the last t- 10 minutes when we were just subbing on center backs like it was a fucking sale at Costco. We, it's, uh, you know, uh, Joe Scally had a really rough uh, camp two camps ago and therefore cannot be integrated into this team. But we can call in Eric Palmer Brown for his first time ever. And, oh, let's go ahead and give him uh, the last 15 minutes in fucking Azteca while we sit back and, and, and beg Irving Lozano to just take wonder shots, which a few of those got pretty fucking close. Yeah, I mean... Uh, we, we talked about the squad selection at nauseum last episode, and it's just, it was baffling. I, we talked about it, but at no point did I ever assume Eric Palmer Brown would get minutes at Azteca. Well, you know, Greg is a lot more than just uh, trendy sneakers and um, behind-the-back bounce passes. <laughs> Sometimes he collects mugs. But, all in all, we got to have Azteca with a point. Incredible result. 
historically. Yes. And as future games would say, incredibly important result in the grand scheme of qualifying. Yes. Fast forward a couple of nights to Panama last Sunday. The biggest game of the qualifying cycle. Yes, and we tore that Panamanian ass up. It really helped that, was it, Godoy uh, decided that he wanted to box more than he wanted to play soccer and conceded two penalties in the first 35 minutes. That was a nice touch. You had a wonderful, wonderful Christian Pulisic hat trick. Honestly, it was a Lewandowski hat trick. Oh, yeah, two penalties and an open play goal. Two penalties and an incredible third goal. Yeah. That's the Lewandowski special. Um, and he, Preston, he dropped Preston, the worm. I know, I, Preston, I know you can appreciate that. I do appreciate that. And Preston will appreciate that. Um, then he dropped the worm from a young man he met named Mason, who was um, is going through some cancer stuff. Obviously, that sucks, but I was also awesome for uh, Pulisic to you know, honor him with the worm. I, I do like... Pulisic's willingness to embarrass himself with his some of his goal celebrations, like like I mean, he did a worm way better than I could ever do. Hmm. It, it wasn't it wasn't the greatest worm we've ever seen. It was a pretty we've seen Anthony rip out a way better worm uh, in years past. But 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 Listen, the you can't is, you can't compare Pulisic's dancing to Anthony's dancing. <laughs> and the backstory there too is, as you mentioned, Christian met with this this young high school kid who's battling cancer. And the kid mentioned, Mason mentioned, if Pulisic scored a goal, he'd love to see him celebrate it with the worm. And so for Pulisic to, to kind of do that and to dedicate that to, to Mason, really, really cool to see. And it just kind of shows that, like, even in the midst of an incredibly important, critical game result, uh, Pulisic, but also these other guys, are, are thinking about things larger than just this game. And our boy, Anthony Jedi Robinson, threw in a couple of assists in that game. Hey. We got it. We got to put. Forget you know, incredible ball service for, from Ant, from Jedi Robinson. We got to talk about Paul Areola. All, all five seven of them just nipping those into the goal. I've never felt more ashamed at being a, a soccer height supremacist than in that moment. That honestly, that that I, it is baffling to me that Paul Nipples Areola cannot score on a one-on-one with the keeper or an open fucking net with the ball to his feet in, in space and time, but he can slot that header into the back fucking corner of the net with his five foot seven frame. Yeah. I mean, you know, that was a, um, it was a good performance. It was a good game. We never really once heard Tyler Adams name. And that tells you about what what the hell the performance he put in. Yeah, you know he plays he plays that kind of role where you really only hear about it if he's fucking up. Yeah, and I mean it's like he's always providing cover so that you know I think in the ideal system of things we have two very offensive minded fullbacks in Anthony Robinson and Serginio Dest. Serginio Dest is really a winger who just plays <laughs> fullback. Or Joe Scally. Or Joe Scally. I mean, I mean I was just trying to live in the world of Greg's reality. That's fair. Um, so having a guy who can provide such competent cover for those guys when they make their runs up is huge. Not to mention his distribution and kind of getting getting moves going. You know, he's always starting the moves for us in that deep line kind of role. His, his first look is always forward. Yeah. Sometimes he'll go sideways or back, but he's always first looking forward. And that's critical. That's something that, that 
once he moved to MLS, Michael Bradley stopped doing. Yeah. Yeah, good point. And it set us up nicely because as long as we went into um, Costa Rica and didn't lose by more than five goals, we were in good shape. Yeah, we did not lose uh, by more than five goals. We did lose by two. And we really never threatened. I'll say this, man. It's a weird game when 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 it's when winning the game isn't the end all be all and there's a big a much bigger objective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the objective, part of that objective is to not lose six zero. Five six. Five six. You can lose five zero. We're still in at five zero. Just don't lose six zero. Yeah. It, it is a weird mindset as a player. Like it I is, agree. That it, it, it's a weird it's a weird headspace to get in that says like I can lose this game three zero and I'm still going to the World Cup. But can I can I posit something to you? Yeah, no, absolutely. We're riffing here, man. What are there are I'd say there are two things I want you to, to tell me what they reflect. A team that is unable to win on the road and barely able to get results on the road. Oh. And that same team is unable to get to motivate themselves up for what is statistically a almost 100% meaningless game. What what if that's happening to this those two things happening to the same team. What does that tell you about that team? Tells me that the coach cannot properly motivate the players and fire up the players. There is a disconnect between the coach and the players. Tactics and player and, and, and like player management and motivation are the two things that a manager is in charge of. Yes, we've already documented many many tactical qualms. Yes. Um, I think empirically we have evidence that the international stage with its nuances and complexities eludes Greg Triple G, Triple E, Berhalter. And, you know, you and I have always talked, I think you're totally right, and you and I have always talked about how being a national team manager is way harder than being a club team manager. Being a club team manager, you have those guys nine months out of the year with occasional one or two weeks where some of the team is away, not even the best teams in the world have the whole team away. You know, you're always able to have you have you have two months in the summer with the team. You're drilling into them your your concepts and practices. As to a, put it into a soccer analogy, you have time and space with your team. Yeah, yeah. As a national team manager, you have no time with them. You get like maybe if you're lucky, fifteen practices a year. You're you're constantly pressed by the calendar. Exactly. So it's like it, basically you have to. What really the best man international managers have always done is they've assessed the talent pool. They they figure out a system that works in their best 10, 10 outfield players. Yep. And, you know, you know they keep it they'll simple. Have, they'll have their marquee, like, overall tactic and strategy. Sure. And then they will, they will adjust that tactic and strategy to fit their best 11 slash 23 system. Great example of it is Vincent Del Bosque. His team that like, I mean, he basically said, "I have a lot of Barcelona midfielders in my team. Barcelona play with this possession style. We're gonna play it. We'll play with this possession style, and we'll win." I mean, also look at uh, the Yergi Lowe when he was 
winning the World Cup with Germany kind of ran, a, you know, he had a certain system and style, got through the group stage okay, but not swimmingly, and realized, you know what, this isn't the path. Let's bring uh, Cruz in as a starter. Let's let's leverage Mueller a little bit more as a creator and not just a poacher. And and that opened up everything. And then and then what he do after he won the World Cup? He was like, you know what, I now have the the creds to go more strictly into my school of thought and how I want to be. And Germany crashed the fuck out, putting egg all over my face. <laughs> yeah. Um... So, so all this to say is we and, and, and we were over the moon thrilled and excited to qualify for the World Cup. Still am. And like I you should see my my texts with Donnie, with my mom, with a whole bunch of random people. I'm so I sorry. Am... I'm so sorry. But I was like so sure you were gonna say, and you should see my boner about how excited I am. I was just so confident that you were gonna say boner that I, I just wasn't expecting anything else. So I said my mom. Yeah. And then you're talking about your mom and I'm like, wait, what wait, what are we talking about? God, we really need the intern to cut this part from the <laughs> recording. Uh, I am so thrilled and happy and excited. Mm. But that doesn't, to me, paper over the issues and concerns that I had when Greg was named manager that have yet to be abated or disproved. Also, like, listen, again, like you, very, very excited. It, really massive erection. Got it, done. <laughs> Massive by my standards erection for being in the... All five centimeters. Being in the World Cup. We were... We only made an automatic qualifier spot on goal differential. Goal differential. Mexico beat us clear on points in second place, and their fan base wants their coach fired. So, to say that we're toxic because we have some criticisms is just a little... Doesn't seem right to me. Also, we're toxic because in 1998, 2002, and 2006, the fan base was always just thrilled to qualify. But now we've decided, some of us, that we have higher expectations. We're, we're, we're toxic because we don't view the sport the same way it was viewed in this country 20 fucking years ago. Also, I'm sorry. Also, in 98, 02, and 2006, the internet and Twitter wasn't really as much of a thing. So Twitter is the only measure of toxicity for a fan base now. So you didn't even have the fucking measuring tool back then. But also, like, I'm, I'm sorry. Did they, like, did these guys sign a pledge to go through life without ever learning uh, anything new? And, and just decided that they were going to have the same point of views and expectations their entire life? Like, if, 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 if you, you know suddenly become more successful and like glam up and like you know become this this better version of you do you want to hold the exact same expectations to yourself as when you were like uh i don't know i'm losing the thread here but you, you started the, that and you had no idea how you were gonna finish it it's I, I had a couple of beers tonight and um it's okay though it's also it's okay to admit that what was once our threshold for success is no longer the bare minimum of success. We can still be happy and thrilled that the the youngest uh, squad in World Cup qualifying qualified. That's incredible. Great job. We have the youngest squad of any of the current 
qualified playing World Cup teams that were going to. That, that, that's tough. Not a lot of experience. I get that, and, and it's impressive. But that doesn't mean that we have to lower our expectations to be like, well, we made the World Cup. We're happy with whatever happens now. I'll tell you what, if we don't qualify out of the group stage, I see that as a failure. I will be incredibly unhappy. Should we move to the group stage conversation? Actually, no. Before we do that, I want to talk about some other big national teams that didn't make it. Italy didn't qualify for the World Cup. Northern Macedonia. And I'd like to take this moment to just play the people just a a short one-minute clip of Eric almost exactly one year ago from today talking about Northern Macedonia. Let's, uh... Donnie, you know you can just literally cut the audio clip and drop it into the editing bay? I'm going to play it off of my phone. (laughs) Because this is the way that I have decided is best. Alright, let's all just listen in here. It should be Germany at Jurgen Lowe or Timo Werner after they lost 2-1 to Macedonia. That was... That also ended a run of like 35... I don't know the exact number, but let's just say 35, like, unbeaten in World Cup qualifying for them. And also, I mean, how many... I'd be curious how many wins Macedonia has bagged in the last couple cycles. From teams that aren't, like, Latvia. Yeah, and honestly, even then, I'd be curious to see if they're winning more than they're losing to Latvia. I would actually, yeah, uh... Preston, if you're listening, please, uh, could, you, could you please email in Latvia, Macedonia, men's international yeah, soccer head and, and, and Preston, you can go fuck yourself, too. <laughs> it's not so much what you said in that clip. It's the way you said it. It's when I said, it's when I said you know, wins that aren't Latvia, and then you were like, eh, I'd like to see how Even then. <laughs> Even then, and the best part is, Preston did look it up, and Northern Macedonia is three zero against Latvia all time. <laughs> all this to say that Northern Macedonia beat Italy in the World Cup um, qualifying playoff in Europe, and beat them with a ninety like second minute goal to. Make it so that Italy, the current European champions, did not qualify for the World Cup. Eric, you seem like you really have something to say. Couple of things here, my friends. I have a complicated relationship with this Italian national team. Going into the Euros, looking at this roster, I was like, honestly, I don't love this team. Like, I've loved past Italian national teams. <laughs> I like Chiesa. I've always liked Chiesa. Breaks my fucking heart that he's at Juventus. He was the only reason Italy were able to score goals at the Euros. He has a very unfortunate injury with Juventus and is out for the foreseeable future. Italy dominate possession in this qualifier against Northern Macedonia. I think they also have like 20-something shots. And honestly, Donnie... Seven of those could have been goals. Three of them, four of them absolutely should have been goals. Berardi, Domenico Berardi had like, I, I was watching, this is my primary game, by the way. Domenico Berardi had three opportunities that like, if he had tried to miss, he would have scored. But because he tried to score, he missed. Kiro Immobile 
I swear to God, you I sent text... me the best text about a mobile. I texted this about no mobile. He, I felt like I was watching Borussia Dortmund Kiro Mobile, oh. not Lazio Kiro Mobile. And then, honestly, the coup de gras, the chef's kiss, the goal, the Northern Macedonia goal, ninety second minute, a sloppy shot from like outside the box, slight defender screen. But Donnarumma was so out of position and slow to react. And, like, honestly, any competent goalie worth his soul would have stopped that goal. Jordan Pickford would have stopped that fucking goal. It was his T-Rex arms. <laughs> I couldn't let... Yeah, it, it was, it, honestly, an embarrassment that anybody who could have ever been given the golden gloves for a Euro let that goal in. I still think Casper Schmeichel should have had the uh, golden gloves for the Euro, by the way. Did Marco robbed? Yeah. Those well, are all my thoughts. <laughs> and then obviously the Northern Macedonia got the privilege of playing against Portugal to go to the World Cup, and it was just the Bruno Fernandes show. It, well, you can't take it away from Ronaldo as the manager grew up with an incredible game plan. <laughs> you know, made sure that the, the team got Bruno the ball in space in dangerous positions. Actually, Ronaldo did have a pretty sick assist for the first Bruno goal. He did. And you gotta give him credit as manager for drawing up the idea for him to assist Bruno. Portugal gotta get that defense sorted out. I think when they're if they can be healthy come November, right? With um, Ruben Diaz, Ruben Diaz, Cancelo, Cancelo, less reliance on eighty-year-old Pepe. And honestly, I think the worst one is uh, Jose Fonte. I, I don't Fonte. think he should play. I, I actually think it'll be Pepe and Diaz. I think that with um, Cancelo. Cancelo on the right back, and uh, who's that little left back I like? You love uh, the Dortmund left back. Guillermo? Uh, Guer- Guerrero. Guerrero. I'm going to call him Guillermo from now on. And you, you love him for the same reason that I question his defensive abilities. He's an incredible attacking fullback. He's so good at going for, and he's also pretty nasty at set pieces. I mean, in a team with Bruno and Ronaldo, he will never have a chance at one, but he is pretty nasty with set pieces. That still doesn't abate my concerns defensively. <laughs> On, but, but see, if they if they go with Jose Saw, the Wolverhampton goal, who's having yes. one real season, yes. if they go with him in goal, they, they don't, it, it, it won't matter. With Saw, with Diaz's ability, and then Pepe's experience in the dark arts and his dark arts mastery. You know, Diego Simeone may be like the Voldemort of the master of the dark arts. Uh, fucking Pepe might be Bellatrix the Strange. And honestly, I bet you they. Which is the weird because I kind of want to bang both of them. <laughs> I bet Bellatrix you they and Pepe. <laughs> See, it fits better than you think, and that's what that's what Pepe said to uh, Simeone. Hey. Um, so I, I I think if they can get that together, you know, um, their any combination of their top ten offensive players is ridiculous. They remind me of Argentina from a few years back when they just had a murderer road, like a, a gluttonous selection of attacking players. Yeah, but they never could quite figure out the defense. Yeah, so that'll be an interesting one to. Um... Keep an eye on. But anyway, all that, because we, we talked about Northern Macedonia's journey of Italy, Italy. I just wanted to bring Northern Macedonia's journey to an end. They came that close to qualifying, though. They came so close. And honestly, if I hadn't said that a year ago on the podcast, they'd probably lose to Italy. 
It, it was the it was the EGA eighty four curse that that propelled them. That's how fucking strong this thing is. One thousand percent. It's a hundred percent your fault. There are only if there are any Macedonian listeners on behalf of the podcast. I am so sorry. No, no, no. My curse is what propelled them past Italy. Oh, if there are any Macedonian listeners on behalf You're of the welcome. podcast, you are very welcome. If there are any Italian listeners, I'm Fuck not up. sorry at all. Fuck, Fuck you. Up. Dude, the fact that the curse, I, I the curse has finally helped me feel better about something because I watched that Donnarumma allowed goal at least ten times in the thirty minutes after that game ended. Okay, so most of the teams were set. There's still three spots left that'll be resulted in over the summer for the World Cup, and today we had to draw. But whoa. I cut you off before I knew that you were gonna say butt, so I wanna I wanna I wanna walk it back and hear your butt. We're probably two completely different things. I'm gonna wanna talk about the World Cup ball for the next five minutes. What do you wanna talk about? <laughs> yeah. We'll go with the ball first. I wanna talk about all the bullshit that we had to watch before oh, the Oh no, no 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 that's what I was that's where I was gonna go. That's gonna be after the butt. So let's go with the ball. Okay. <laughs> Adidas revealed the Al Rila ball. Uh, Al-Rila is Arabic term for the journey. Guys, I got I got to tell everybody real quick. Donnie is holding right now in his hands his UEFA Champions League St. Petersburg 2022 final ball that he bought once UEFA moved the championship game to Paris. So he got his $165 ball on discount for like what, 30 bucks or something? <laughs> He's been hold. He's been holding this ball the entire recording, and like he's been cradling it like a baby. I never love a baby the way I love this ball. <laughs> okay, Don. I'm sorry to interrupt, but please continue. Okay, Al Rila. It is a 20 panel design that Adidas says is inspired by different Qatari stuff, which is weird because <laughs> I didn't say anything related to slavery on it, so I don't know how inspired by Qatar it could have been. <laughs> but they keep saying. That it's the fastest ball ever. That it travels that it travels through the air faster than any other ball. What does that mean? Like I understand I what mean, those means put to, what those words mean together. Individually. And individually. But practically speaking, what does that mean and what is that gonna look like? Honestly, and I'm kind of worried I mean, that it's gonna be like the 2010 Jabulani ball, where it's just like did whatever it wanted through the air, and then sometimes would just, like, you'd blast it a thousand yards. Literally, there's only one person that entire 2010 World Cup who figured out the flight trajectory of the ball. It was Diego Forlon figured out how to kick the ball and have it in where he wanted. Wesley Schneider realized how to read where the ball was going to land and get on the other end of it to then finish it off. Two sides, same coin. Um, but so I, I wanted to buy this ball because I want to play with this ball, and I can't just buy the thirty-five dollar, forty dollar replica version that's not made. Of the it's same not. It's material. not as fast. It's not. It's not the same material. I need to buy the hundred and sixty-five dollar version. I need to kick it, and I need to know what they mean by it. I just. I don't know. Fastest ball. What does that mean? What is that going to look like? You. I, Adidas always does this. They just, oh, like a soccer ball. We probably perfected this technology like 15 years ago, but let's do something really new and fucked up to it, and all the players are going to hate it. So I'm just fascinated by the ball. Real quick. Look good. The favorite? ball looks good. 
What's your all-time favorite? I, I do love the look of this ball. Like, I, I think it, it, it I, I'm excited for it. I have no idea, like you said, what the fuck they mean by the world's fastest ball in the air. We'll see. We didn't know about the Jabulani ball going to be like, like a fucking circus show until we started seeing really weird shit going on. So I think we reserve the right to be impressed or dumbfounded by this ball um, once we see a couple games. But real quick, what's your favorite World Cup ball? Uh, I think the 2014 Brazil ball aesthetically is the most pleasing the, ball. The, the brazuca. But there's just something I love that if you had to tell me, like, your, pick your favorite World Cup ball gun to my head, there's something about that 2006 Germany ball that I love. I don't know what it is. So I think no ball has better encapsulated the spirit and the vibe of like the host more than the brazuca. That that ball is a party. Yeah. And like that ball wasn't weird. No, nobody had any issues with it. Playstyle wise. But it was bright, vibrant, had like fun, curvy pattern designs. It felt like That ball was thick. That ball that ball could get it. Yeah, that ball was thick with multiple seeds. Honestly, one of my least favorite, maybe my <laughs> least favorite ball of the last 40 years, 50 years, is the Russian Telstar ball. With the gray pixelation? The, the gray, the gradient gray pixelation. It honestly, I look at it now, and you know what it screams to me? Oppression? We're, we're going to invade sovereign nations for the next four years. <laughs> It feels militaristic. Like I'm pretty sure that's a that color grayscale is a camo option on Call of Duty video games. I'm pretty sure that's what the KGB's underwear is made out of. <laughs> uh, I agree with the Brazuka. Another ball that I really liked, and it pains me to say this. It's the '98 France ball. The France '98 ball, I think, is clean and sharp. That is, like, my favorite conspiracy theory in the world is that Brazilian Ronaldo was drugged for that final. <laughs> that's my favorite. And that's, honestly, if I have to believe in one conspiracy theory, I'm going to go with it's, that one. It's one of the more believable ones, too. <laughs> 1,000%. I also want to give a shout-out to the 66 Slozinger ball, the bright orange ball that I swear to God, this is a volleyball. Like, this exists as a volleyball today. Wait, that's the one they used in 66. The 66 bright orange. So the only reason here. England won the World Cup <laughs> is because they played on the volleyball. <laughs> oh. Okay. I'm so, satisfied. That's, talk, that's talking balls. That's our new segment, talking balls. Talking balls. That literally might be. That, if that's not the title, that's going to be in the, in the subtitle for sure. The boys talk balls while Donnie touches balls. Just the one. Okay. We tune into this draw. Okay, the mascot. Can we start with the mascot? Dude, there is some problems with the mascot. Okay, the mascot is the combination between a living turban and a magic carpet. Both yes. of which are just feel very, very racist to me. It felt... But in the funniest it, way. Because the Qataris choose their own mascot. So it's not really racist. At best, Donnie, 
at best, it felt like a microaggression. <laughs> at worst, and this has been going around the social sphere, with the flowing white material, it resembled a ghost. It kind of looked like a stingray to me. Actually, I I did see a stingray. But, like, there's a bit of a ghostly vibe. Right. And, you know, the... Well, one of the, like, international, like, humane organizations has reported that the migrant worker deaths that of people forced to work in Qatar to build these stadiums has reached 6,500 people. Jesus Christ. This project was awarded. And so, like... I get it. This had nothing to do. Like it wasn't the mascot wasn't a ghost, but I couldn't not see that, and I couldn't unsee it once that parallel had been made. And as much as we're laughing about some of the stuff that we're talking about, the ball and the animated experience that we're going to go to in a few minutes, I constantly kept thinking like, this is horrific that this country was awarded this pinnacle of global celebration of the greatest sport in the world. Yeah. And like, it's hard for us to, where, where do we draw the line? Right? Like we're going to watch the world cup. We're going to talk about it. We're going to podcast it. We're going to have incredible memories of this world cup. Like we do of every world cup. Except for 2010 with the fucking Vuvuzelas. We still have incredible memories from that world cup. That's true. And the transgressions of this World Cup are so much worse than that. Yeah, obviously, obviously the fucking 6,000 dead slaves, Eric, are worse than the... Nobody, nobody's debating that the morality of the Fufuzelas deserves to slavery. I'm just, I wanted to say it because I didn't want us to not address it. Interesting. Clearly, Fox has some strict guidelines to their commentary teams about what is off limits, like talking wise. I think uh, the like Alexi Lawless and Rob Stone talked about how this is going to be the most compact World Cup of all time because you know Qatar is a much smaller area, so there's not much to travel, and the schedule's a little a little a little smaller kind of before people get there. If you're if, if that's your big qualifier. And, and, and commentary piece on this unique World Cup, I think there's a lot of stuff that contractually you're not allowed to discuss. Yeah. Um, we've, we have mentioned the slavery issue a lot of times on this podcast, and we'd be remiss not to talk about it now. Um, I'm still going to watch it, so I don't know what that says about me. I'm going to watch it, and I guarantee you I'm going to love watching the World Cup. But what I will do my damnedest is to not let it sports wash the human rights atrocities going on there and in other places. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, I, I agree with everything you said. I don't know what now, I now, but I can add the name of the mascot. His name is Laib. Laib. And Laib took us on an animated journey that halfway through it, I was like, I, okay, I understand. Like, I see what they're doing here. And then I was flabbergasted when we went to an image 
of an in utero image, an animated in utero image of, you know, a fetus growing into a baby. Yeah. I, I just, what? What? And Laie telling us that he's been there with us this whole time? I didn't understand that. Why are the mascots necessary? Also, Laib is by far the weirdest mascot. I'm looking at all the other ones right now. They're all very fucking normal. Yeah, in Germany, weren't they like blobs with smiley faces? No, in Germany it was this lion. Oh. And this little bird. They're all usually animals and shit. Yeah, in 94 it was a dog named Stryker. Yes! Anyways. Oh, and we went we, we were introduced into the mascot verse. Yeah. How much I guarantee you Facebook was involved in that. Facebook threw some money or Meta threw some money to get mascot verse in there because it makes people think of metaverse. And then there was a very interesting on stage performance. <laughs> and I like that half of the half of the stuff was in Arabic before the show started. And it, Fox didn't Fox even, had no subtitles. No subtitles. Just <laughs> no translation. They just panned out for their commentary team to comment on something that requires no commentary. If you just give us the fucking subtitles. Um. Yeah. Okay. The draw. The draw system. It was really nice to see, like, Cafu and Ali Dai and all these legendary players yes. of soccer. Those was really awesome. The balls. And when you know that... Fucking balls, baby. There's going to be a... Okay, first of all, some of those elder men... Like, dude, grab a ball. Holy crap. Like, they're fucking finger-fumbling with the, with the ball... Then they're like, it's taking them 30 seconds to try to figure out how to unscrew this thing. Like it's fucking motherfucking Nicolas Cage in National Treasure trying to figure out this ball. It's just, the ball like, system, just, why? So the, the convoluted piece of you draw a team, you then draw the pot they go in. Well, like you draw a team and that then shoots them to the available pot or a group. And then in the group, you can draw their their group spot, right? Are they spot A or A1, A2, A3, or A4? But all pot one teams auto go into the A1, B1, C1 spot. So why are we drawing for that? Yeah, we have to draw their their group spot out, but we've identified it as the red ball. And so it, when Brazil is drawn, we have to draw the red ball. When Qatar is drawn, we have to draw the red ball. Because just skip that part. You already know. Like, like, what the fuck are you doing? It's like, it's so funny because they think if they just go to a more modern system, everyone's going to say it's rigged. But the balls feel more rigged to me. If you hired a third-party company to handle the draw, that would feel less rigged to me than the balls. Well, and yeah, balls, balls are a rigged system. It's incredibly easy to heat and cool balls like to basically set them to separate temperatures so that you can you know you're not gonna be able to to plan and dictate every single matchup but you can basically decide okay there are like two groups that we want to custom build out 
we'll, free, we'll freeze all the balls on one group we want to build out, and we'll heat all the balls on the other group we want to build out, and then everything else can fall as it may. Right. And Donnie, I got to say, we ended up with a group, USA England, which has some pretty significant historical ties, geopolitically. USA Iran, England Iran, both have some significant know, geopolitical ties. I think I think USA Iran jumps out more than England Iran, but I do believe just recently Iran released a few British uh, like prisoners back to England. Uh, so clearly there's some stuff going on there. And then depending on how the the European playoffs shake out, we might have England Scotland. Or Wales. Uh, or England-Wales. Either way. Or Ukraine. Ukraine, which is, you know, I think anybody who has no root affiliation with this group that, like, doesn't pull for Ukraine, I don't think has a heart or they're Russian. Um, and, and not even that. I know, like, like there are Russian people that, that sympathize with Ukraine. I mean, like, are part of the Russian oligarchy structure. Um but that being said, I don't think like the like the other th- options have a lot of more direct nation to nation controversy oh. times. You know, I, there's no way I see this group and think that was random. There's no way. But that being said, could have been a lot worse for us. Pretty favor. I think it's a favorable group. I'm fucking pumped for this group. Two reasons. But Donnie, I don't want to hug Mike. I don't know what you wanted me to say right now. I'm sorry. I just feel like I've been... Okay, then I'm pumped for two reasons. One... I didn't know, I didn't know what you were setting me up for. I don't know either. I thought okay. we were just going to talk about the group. I, so... I don't, you don't, I mean, yes, it, obviously when you go to a World Cup, you want to get as far as possible. No shit. But at the same time, like, it's fun to go up against some of the, the bigger and biggest names in the global game. Yes. Like, being able to test our medal against Cristiano Ronaldo in 2014 was fucking awesome. And Germany. And Germany. Like, like exactly. That, and extract so, the demons that were gonna... This guy gets it. Not saying so we, the Ghanaians are de- demonic people by any means. No. I'm saying the but, Ghanaian national soccer team was kind of like a demon that the United States soccer team hadn't been able to conquer the prior two. World they had, yeah, they had bounced us two, exactly. That's, that's um, what I was saying. And I wanted to be very clear. I was not trying to demonize a group of people. was just making a metaphor. Yeah, this guy thinks uh, the, uh, the mascot's uh, a little racist, but he's calling people demonic. Um, I so I, I'm I'm pumped to see us get to play against fucking England, get to play against you know another significant European team. Whether you know they're not going to be they're not a perennial title threat, but like testing ourselves against Wales, Scotland, Ukraine that is fun. There are, there are, are uh, competitions that this is meant for. The other reason I'm pumped about this draw is. This is a group that I expect us to advance out of. Me too. 
and I do not mean this in the sense of like, oh, our advancement is guaranteed. We got this locked down. I think we 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 could conceivably get booted from the group stage. We could. But the opportunity is here and it's it's big enough that if we don't seize it, we should be disappointed. Exactly. I think listen, if you can't beat Iran in a World Cup game, you got bigger issues. Have we come no further from nineteen ninety eight? Yeah, I mean that shit was twenty and, that shit was literally twenty four years ago. And true. Iran is not, is not the same, you know, soccer nation that it was 24 years ago. But everything that we have access to tells me we have made further advancements in our talent pool than they have. I know they have one guy who is of is an Iranian American and he chose to play for Iran. So I wonder if he's going to get called up. That's be another interesting storyline. I also wonder if they still have that really hot coach. Oh, yeah. remember from 2018? He was so handsome. Yeah, they did have a good looking coach. I have yeah. no idea. I'll get the I'll get I'm gonna, when we do more of our in depth World Cup closer thing. I will get the lowdown from my dad about the Iranian Perfect. national team, and he will tell me more than I've ever wanted to know. <laughs> but please specifically ask your dad if they still have the hot coach. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that that'll go over well with him. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, no disrespect to uh, the country of my ancestors, but. You got to imagine that every other team in the group fancies their the, the three points there. So it comes down to, in my opinion, you cannot count on getting a result against England. Sure. So you have to get it. You have to beat. You guys got to get. You got to beat Iran, and you got to beat one of yes. Wales slash Scotland slash Ukraine. And, and that to me we, is very doable. We we we've also seen in previous groups you can get through in four points, right? You like can. That, that 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 is feasible. But I think the goal here needs to be six points. Six and you're in. Six and you get yeah, six and you, you are in. Especially if if you know the thing about England is they'll have one get, hiccup in this group. They will have one hiccup. We're gonna get one of two Englands. A dominant England that blitzes through the group stage. Or an England that advances but maybe has a little trouble along the way. If they have a little trouble on the way, in the words of Jonah Hill and Superbad, we could be that mistake. Great reference. And if instead we get the England that blitzes through the group stage, like they did in the Euros... They're going to blitz through everybody. They're going to blitz through everybody. And it, so it doesn't matter if we don't take points off of them, because most likely Iran and the UEFA, the UEFA qualifier is not taking points off of them either. Yeah. So I, like, I, I take that as a win, right? Obviously, you want one of two things. You want to be in a group where you can beat every single team or you want to be in a group where the team that is better than you is way better than everybody else as well. I agree with you. And then it comes down to three teams for one spot. We, like I said, we, I mean, they're going to probably play in a low block. They're going to play defensive. We struggle to break down defensive teams, but we have to, to like our chances against Iran. And then it comes down to Wales, Scotland, Ukraine. Everybody seems to be terrified of Wales. I yeah, get it. Got- apparently, I went to bed last week and I woke up today, and Gareth Bale became fucking John Wick. I think people are still thinking about his 2016 Euro run. That was six years ago. He was he was incredible, and so were Wales. 
Dude, they have motherfucking Dan James running around there. He's fast, but he can't do shit. He's like every American striker. <laughs> yeah. Um, so people are, ter- are terrified of Wales. First off, it's not even a guarantee that Wales get through. They're going to play the winner of Ukraine-Scotland. Do not count out either of those teams uh-huh. at your own barrel. Um, and then I, I think Scotland play you know a really strong, tough, team-built game. But that's a kind of game that I think might not be too different from what we've seen from some of the better CONCACAF teams that are still below us a little bit. They're a more talented version of that, of course. But that kind of strategy mentality. Ukraine, it's, I think we're going to... Ukraine scares me the most. I think Ukraine are either going to be incredibly good or there's too much going on that this just isn't important enough in the grand scheme of things. And they, 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 they aren't able to, to garner that you know team of destiny experience. I agree and, with what you're saying, but... If I was a betting man, I'd pick they're going to have the Team of Destiny vibes if they win, if they go to the World Cup, which is why of those three teams, I don't want to see them the most because I am concerned that they get that everyone's cheering for them, Team of Destiny, like unify our country. Sometimes in sports, the story (laughs) is right itself. Let let me put it this way. Teams that bounce us out of the World Cup, I pretty much hate forever. But if we were bounced by Ukraine and they made it out out of the group instead of us, that's the team I want to win the World Cup. I, I just that that would be it. Would be the only time I I would ever have cheered for. Like, like I still pull against Belgium. Listen, I don't listen. It's very sad that Ukraine is being invaded by Russia. <laughs> but you bounce the U.S. men's national team out of the World Cup. I want your soul to fucking burn in hell. I cannot die on this earth without the USA winning a World Cup before I die. And so every impediment of that is my enemy. And if there's a 1% chance they are my enemy, I must take that as an absolute. Thank you, Batfleck. So, so if, listen, if Ukraine knocks us out of the World Cup, I'm going to Ukraine, but not to fight on the side you think I am. Jesus. Okay. Oh, yeah, I gotta write this in before you literally get recruited to be Putin's next oligarch. Um, Look at these red stars, baby. With your St. Petersburg ball in the fucking frame right now. Do you think Putin will sign it for me? (laughs) (laughs) You bastard. So, like, I mean, also, we gotta talk about this is literally the draw England were praying for before. Oh my god, dude, the English papers. If they don't blitz out of, if they don't blitz out of this group, some of the statements in these their newspapers have been just like like just the internet like, the internet never forgets. I'll just put it that way. This is just like twenty ten. Yes. Yes, hold on. I'm pulling up one of these right now. The Yankee Doodle Dandy one. Okay. Here's one of Garrett of uh, of uh, Garrett Southgate who is just doing a thumbs up that says Yankee Doodle Dandy. England get a dream World Cup draw as they'll face the USA, Iran, and Haider, yada, yada. So they're loving that. Now remember, in 2010, the Sun ran with the moniker Easy for England, Algeria, Slovenia, Yanks. And England finished second in that group. Yes, they did. 
Now, this England team has been performing way better than that 2010 team had been going into it. Oh, wait, wait. I got, I got some more of the England oh, ones for please. now. Um, please. This is from Star Sport. It's because we're Group B. Uh, us, England, Iran, whoever from Europe. Gotta be happy with that. It's the same picture of <laughs> Southgate. Uh, champing at the Brit. Oh, good, 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 good. Daily Express Sport. England handed Dream World Cup draw and possible Battle of Britain. So the the English press are just setting themselves up for one of the biggest L's of all times because the internet never forgets. And like, yeah, England are vastly more talented than we are. Sure. I don't I don't I don't deny that. But the talent gap was greater in twenty ten. When we were able to draw them 1-1. The talent cap was greater, but... They played like a... They played, They did not play like a team. They played like shit as a team. And they play like a team now. There's a reason why in the 2018 World Cup, they made it to the semifinals, lost an extra time. In the 2020-slash-21 mm-hmm. Euros, whatever we're calling them, they went to the final and lost in penalties. This is the most unified English team I've ever seen in our lifetime. My one my one other thought there is we have seen over let, let's let's take out Spain. I'd say they were an anomaly when they won Euro World Cup Euro. Yes. It is pretty hard for one national team under one coach to sustain back to back to back long deep runs in these major tournaments. Uh, Germany, 2008, lost in the final to Spain. 2010, lost in the semifinals of uh, the World Cup to Spain as well. And what do they do in the 2012 Euros? I'm going to put my money on the semifinals. <laughs> okay. 2014, won the World Cup. They won the World Cup. Okay. But, 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 Germany has also made the the finals of the World Cup more actually more than any other team. And I think they've made the most semifinals. So Germany yeah, is an anomaly in and of itself. Yeah. But I did have to. I did have to do it to you. No, that's fair, and, and that's fair. But Harry Kane has never been in worse form than he is right now. That is so true. <laughs> well, and, and it's and it's because he's no longer Tottenham's primary goal scorer. <laughs> no, I mean they, no. They, Harry, Harry Kane's actually in great form, but he has. I, I, but. The person who's really in really bad form is the other Harry. Yeah, Harry Maguire fucking sucks, dude. We can honestly, we all need to pray to God that Southgate keeps him as the starter through November. If if Maguire is the is one of the starting center backs, I think we have a shot at getting a result. Well, yeah, you know he's gonna be he's good, Harry's gonna be good for one goal for the USA. <laughs> Both Harrys will score, and it'll be 1-1 one, one as a result. <laughs> also, something that, that I I, yeah, I have no, no idea if this is being done, but I recall back in the 18 World Cup, you know, something announced was talking about how Southgate was studying with, like, some NBA coaches on how NBA teams use, uh, on, like, set plays and inbounds plays, use motion and body movement to get their key guys open. Right, and it's no surprise that England have been phenomenal on set piece goals in this resurgence. If I'm Triple Greg, 
I'm going to these NBA coaches and trying to study and learn how to defend against this, this like set piece motion and, and tap in some of this knowledge from other games in areas that can help you improve your set piece attack and your set piece defense. If you can avoid conceding penalties to, to England and can avoid conceding set piece goals, they don't score that many goals in other ways. Yes, but do you think that Greg no. is going to do anything you just no. said? No. But also, I don't, I, I don't think these Brits are going to look at Weston McKinney as a set-piece threat. That is going to get two or three open headers. That's true. We just yeah. got to make sure we have the right guys putting in the ball, giving him the service. Gio Reyna. It's also interesting. The USA-England matchup will probably be the battle of like two of my top Four favorite left backs. <laughs> Who are the other two? Obviously, outside of Shaw and Anthony. Uh, Teo Hernandez is definitely one of my favorite left backs. Um, hmm. I don't know who my fourth favorite left back is. Okay. I'll, I'll get back to you on that one. Yeah, well, we'll build we'll that. Yeah, we'll we'll do a much more like like deep dive and in-depth look probably i'd say maybe around june-ish when we figure out who the the final team the group is going to be no i say we'll probably do it like in october when we know what our squad squads are going to look like i don't know who's going to tear their acl between june and november like i'm just saying like somebody's going to be hurt we can do a baby preview yeah we can do a mini preview we can preview the preview we preview the preview and then we'll get the real preview yeah, I, post- I, can't, I can't start predicting who's going to be who. I don't know, because see, if Deschamps isn't going to pick Theo, then I don't want to... I'm not going to pick France to win a game. I'm never picking a, a, a holding champion to repeat. Never again. I'm also never picking Germany again, so I'm really starting to see, whittle down. I, I think that if you pick Germany, I think they, they will not... They will, they're guaranteed <laughs> to go minimum quarterfinals, so it's like... By picking Germany, it's actually statistically your best chance. Dude, we've talked about this offline. I think it's the year South America. I do too. And it's, it's and there's it's two teams. Ecuador and, <laughs> <laughs> and Peru. Uh, yeah, I think it is too. Also, the way the World Cup draw set up is you could have the uh, the old Ronaldo Messi final. Yes, that would be incredible. That would be wild. It would be insane. I, I I feel like truthfully, if that happened, and I and you and I have always said this, even if they didn't play each other, if one of them wins the World Cup, that is the answer. Yes, that has always been our stance. Like as a unit, we've always agreed that if one of them wins the World Cup, it's like okay, you got the World Cup. That's it. Yes. It doesn't matter. Nothing else matters after that. Like none of the other comparisons matter. Um, and you, you, I mean, they're thirty-four and thirty-seven respectively, thirty-five and thirty-seven. They're not. They're not young men they're anymore. Not, they're not spring chickens. No. No. But uh, man, it's exciting. It's fun to be back and to be be a part of it. To be a part of it. The draw. Doing. I'm going to be doing some deep dives into these teams. Yeah, I gotta pull some Iran tape. I haven't watched. I haven't watched Iran since the group stage of twenty eighteen. 
Yeah, I don't think I have either. But I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna actually like pull the tape. I'm just gonna talk to my dad. No, that's the phrase that I'm saying. And, <laughs> and for for me, it's gonna be listening to you re- on this pod recap the conversation you have with your dad. Yeah, he has he has watched enough Iran in his lifetime that uh, I'm just gonna be like, hey, dad, what's the team's weaknesses? Okay, cool. Thanks for telling me. Texting it now to the texting it to Jedi. Is the manager still hot? <laughs> Um, should we talk Champions League a little bit? Yeah, we should. We should, because we've got uh, a couple fixtures coming up soon. So, we have some some very, very interesting... So, we'll start with the left side of the bracket, so to speak. First matchup. Chelsea-Real Madrid. So, you have the defending European champions, Chelsea... You have the most successful team of all time in the competition, Real Madrid. And you have a rematch. Do you have a rematch? From last year's semifinal? That sounds right. No, semifinal. Tuchel versus Don Carlo. So you got a nice little manager battle there. Tuchel v. Don Carlo v. Gates. I I abstain from competition. (laughs) Um... So what are your thoughts on this one? It's hard to say goodbye to yesterday. But that's what we have to do here. So I'm saying goodbye to yesterday's winner. Um... Because Especially after the classical shellacking they got, I think Bayern. I have to talk Bayern. I think Real Madrid are coming to dance for the next big game on their docket. Can I share you something? Can I share an interesting tidbit for you? Please, Doctor. Real Madrid has never beaten Chelsea in a competitive game. <laughs> How many? Uh, the sample size is small. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head. Is it more than one? <laughs> more than more than two? I don't know. Okay, because they played twice last year. <laughs> I understand. Listen, you know everything I know now. Okay. This is all I know. You know I just take my stat. I don't, this is the stat I have. Um, I do like Real Madrid in this one as well. Um, I think Benzema is going to just be a straight-up problem. Benzema and Vincinius Jr. have been tearing it up. And I do think that they will bounce back from the El Clasico debacle. So, I like Real Madrid. And, and personally, I think, you know, what? Uh, Christensen's going to Barcelona. Rudiger's going to Bayern. Like, I think some of these Chelsea players' minds is elsewhere. Yeah, a lot of these guys are checked out. It's like the Frank Kessier to uh, Barcelona thing. Or like the Donnarumma... Uh, letting in a goal against Northern Macedonia. Wait, that doesn't really apply. Sorry. Okay, so the winner of Chelsea Real Madrid would face the winner of God. This is such a good matchup: Manchester City and the very bald Pep versus Atletico Madrid and the very luscious-haired Diego Dude, Simeone. You know that guy's that guy's hairy all over. He's a man's man. Simeone is gross. He's a man, and I love him. Um. Convictional wisdom says city all the way. Yeah. 
the dark arts say. I would. I'm gonna pick City to win. I expect City to win. But I wouldn't be totally shocked if Simeone makes it very, very interesting. He's a very good coach. I think it's going to be a 10-man Atletico in the second leg are not able to Mm. overcome the hole they dug themselves into with the red card. And they go down to City. So very much a what happened to um, Inter... Inter Milan against uh, Liverpool. Yes, but also the 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 vibe of the games absolute opposite. Yes, and also not 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 free flowing attacking. I think you're gonna see like you know city players acting like their legs have been broken, and honestly, it might be that might happen. Also, Pep is at some point going to go ballistic over something. Like, Simeone will trigger Pep big time. And that will be funny. And Pep will be wearing an outlandish overcoat jacket. Now to the other side of the bracket. Um, I feel like the those two games we just talked about were definitely the closer of the four quarterfinals. Now mm-hmm. things are going to start getting a little lopsided. Bayern Munich, Villarreal. Bayern. They stumbled in the first leg uh, at Salzburg. Boy, were they humming the second leg. I think, you know, Unai Emery is also a good coach, in my opinion. I would even say he is a cup specialist. Yeah. But Bayern Munich are just a machine. You have to, Bayern Munich only lose to the other, like, four or five top teams in Europe. Mm-hmm. They're not going to go out to a Villarreal. Yeah. Um, so, thanks for coming, Villarreal. You made a good run. Goodbye. Oh, poor Benfica. Should be drawn. Why against- are you... I, that, I, I don't understand why, you, why you're taking pity on them. I That's who I have advancing. Over Liverpool? Yeah. Oh, my God. I hope so. I will be so sick to my stomach if it's a Liverpool City Champions League final. Um, I like the pick. I love the pick. I'm gonna go. You always do this. You always find the one. You always have a way of sniffing out these underdogs. They're like Gates's dogs. You did it with um, Villarreal against Juventus. Uh huh. And so you, Benfica's your dog. I think so. I feel it. Jesus Christ! I think Benfica's gonna get slaughtered by Liverpool, unless, unless you think that now the growing rift I imagine between Mo Salah and Sadio Mane from the Senegal Egypt rivalry. So I'm in the AFCON final, and then Sadio Mane knocked out. Oh wait, can we talk about that game? Okay, we're done with the. Dude, we're done the with f- the championship. Fucking that- lasers are ridiculous. <laughs> Mo Salah looked as green as the Grinch. His face was a little blue. Now, I want to remind people that in the first leg of this game, mm-hmm. the Egyptians were doing the exact same thing to the Senegalese. Yes. Just the stakes hadn't been quite as set yet, but you know. This is just what's going on. This isn't this isn't something that's just the Senegal fans are the only ones doing this. I don't the wanna... lasers across the board are ridiculous. I mean, it's not there one were, or two. Their entire least, face is green. There were at least a hundred high-powered lasers at that game. Dude, that there was at fa- least a hundred high-powered lasers pointed at Mosala's face. There were like five hundred at the game. It was 
I, I, honestly, I don't know how he's not blind. Also, some of those penalties by Egypt were horrendous. But when you think about it, they couldn't see. What do they have to see? The goal doesn't move. <laughs> I have, I have uh, <laughs> a rules. I have a rules suggest- suggestion. Yes. If the home fans are abusing lasers, you should be allowed to play with sunglasses. <laughs> Mo Salah and a pair of Ray-Bans just ripping up a penalty. Just for the just for penalties, just pop them down. The goalie too. I like that. I, I have a real suggestion. Probably confiscate the fucking lasers when they come in. <laughs> the lasers from the stadium. <laughs> but I like your sunglasses one too. Oh, wow. Well, that's that. We're back, We're back baby. The USA is back. Uh, I, love, I love our new segment, Talking Balls. Talking Balls. <laughs> um, just good things are happening right now, which only means that knowing what a friendship with Eric has been like for 10 years, something devastating is coming my way. Something wicked this way comes. Like, I, I'm, I'm sure, surely in the next few months, I'm going to emotionally just get kicked right in the nuts over something. And it will be a team. It's, it'll be me it's and a, you. It's adorable that you think it's going gonna, it's gonna to take next few months and not right around the corner. Yeah, next week, Manu is going to announce they're hiring Poach as their coach, and I'm going to just fucking rip off my scrotum. <laughs> then we'll really be talking balls. <laughs> That's our show. Follow us on Twitter at OwnGoPod. I'm not even going to tell you to follow us on Instagram anymore because I don't know the last time I made a post there. But follow us on Twitter. The email address OwnGoPod at gmail.com. Um, we'll be back probably in just a couple of weeks to talk about first leg of Euro, um, of the, uh, the Champions League and see where we're at and with the European we'll, leagues. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's the show. Bye. Bye.